Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast, featuring Ted Ings and his distinguished guests. Each week, you'll gain valuable insights to level up your game in retail automotive's fixed operations. This episode is brought to you by BG Products, partners beyond products. And now, here's Ted Ames. Welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable, and there's probably no one more timely to have on today's event than Steve Greenfield from Autovoda Ventures. He is both the CEO and the founder, and um, unless you've been living under a rock uh, for the past year, uh, it's very hard to miss all the news that Steve is involved with. He's a first-timer here at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Steve, welcome to the event. Ted, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Steve, congratulations to you. You're doing some great things in the industry, and you're really highlighting some uh, amazing new technology and new companies that are coming about. So uh, you're, really, you're really putting the spotlight uh, where it deserves to be. Well, thanks. I mean, I, you know, I don't think it's a cliche to say that we're going to see more change in the next 10 years in this industry than we've seen the last 100. And um, just trying to sift through all that and make that more digestible for the audience out there. Yeah, you're, you're definitely doing that. And, you know, there are a number of topics that I'd like to ask you about today, if you don't mind, um, that I think are of great interest to our audience. You know, if you go back 12 months, we hardly talked about EVs here at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Yet, you know what? That's been coming on stronger and stronger every month. And now there's so much attention uh, as to what's going to happen as dealers get a greater percentage of that EV market and how that's going to impact their service operations so so what do you see from that perspective? Well, well first, Ted, I mean, just to, to calibrate everybody, I mean, yes, the year-over-year growth in EV adoption is very, very high, but it's still a very small percentage of the vehicles that are being sold. I think it was about 3% last year. Maybe by the end of the year, the run rate was up to 10% or something. But, you know, we're not really going to start feeling those until they're three-year-old vehicles. So the dealers aren't going to have to worry about it too much in the next couple of years. They're going to feel just a small little trickle. But, you know, as we've seen, Many of the, the manufacturers have announced that they're going to go full EV by 2030, by 2035. So they're going to start to see more product in their, in their showrooms. Their salespeople are going to sell it. And then you're going to definitely see cars, at least that are under warranty, coming through the service bays. And what we, we, we do know, to your point, is that you know, these cars are much less complex, right? Whereas uh, the drivetrain in an internal combustion engine vehicle has like 2,000 moving parts. An EV has something like 20 moving parts. Now, now they're heavier and they have more torque. So they're going to go through tires quicker. We're already seeing 20 to 50% more frequent tire changes, but tires aren't a high margin business typically for dealers. But if they can, if they can turn that into a more of a recurring revenue stream, great. But what we do know is fewer parts to fail, longer service intervals. These things aren't going to need oil changes, et cetera. So we're going to have to be creative with the ways that we fill in as we start to see more of these EVs come back. Yeah. And again, it's a, a, very, very hot topic right now, as you know, in our industry. And I was in an OEM meeting yesterday uh, with some of the highest folks at that particular manufacturer on a discussion that we had. And, you know, they're talking themselves about, you know, although they know a whole lot about what's coming, there's still a lot of things that they don't know and a lot of unknowns that our dealer body, which is, as you know, very resilient, is going to figure out the rest of the way. That's right. As they always do. As they always do. As we always do. Exactly <laughs> correct. Let's talk a little bit, Steve, about uh, over-the-air updates, uh, OTA. Uh, we're starting to hear more about manufacturers uh, pushing software updates directly to the consumers. Um, 
you know, I'm seeing that as well. Uh, what are the, impl- the implications for retailers and uh, who may end up seeing their customers maybe even less frequently? Yeah, so if you remember, I mean, we really first heard about this back in 2017 when Tesla launched the Model 3 and Consumer Reports panned them and said, hey, look, this car breaks worse than an F-150. Elon Musk got angry and like over the weekend they pushed a uh, software update and suddenly the car was able to brake very competitively. And I think everyone woke up and said, wow, if you can change the braking characteristics of a car simply by pushing software, it's going to be a whole new world we're getting into. And you know, now you're hearing from Stellantis, from, from General Motors, that they expect after the dealers sell the vehicle, there's going to be all these subscription services, whether you want to unlock additional horsepower, whether you want to you know, get new, a new in-cabin experience, whether you want to have you know, pay-per-mile insurance, all of those services are going to be offered from the OEMs and all get pushed through to the consumers where they can like literally swipe a credit card. So I think that um, you know, one of the stats I saw more relevantly for today's uh, call is like you know, there's about 18 to $20 billion worth of warranty work done in the U.S. every, every year if that matches what kind of your gut. But you know, I saw that immediately a third of that can go away. Because, you know, the consumer will no longer have to bring in the vehicle for about a third of their warranty work. We'll simply be able to push a software update, which is great for the consumer. But the question will be like when the consumer is sleeping overnight and the software update you know, gets pushed to their car and the next time they get in their car, there's a little alert, like kind of like, like with your iPhone. You know, who will they attribute that to? Will that be, hey, the dealer's brand will be on that or will mm. the OEM's brand or both? I mean, the dealers are going to need an opportunity to use that, that goodwill and kind of make sure that they're building lifetime value with that customer. And I think that's where the uncertainty is going to be. This is going to be a whole new era that's great for consumers, but what role the dealer is going to play in pushing these software updates is sort of to be determined. But I would hope that, you know, the dealer is able to market to the consumer, hey, if you want more horsepower from your car, just, you know, give us your credit card and we'll unlock for, for like 50 bucks a month. And the dealers should be able to partic- sell and participate in that revenue stream. Wow. So perhaps new revenue streams emerging from this new technology, which is happening right now, as you just said. Yeah, if you look at GM, I mean, they're, they're, they're proposing that by, by 2030, they're going to have $25 billion a year in additional revenue, high margin revenue, just from services that consumers subscribe to month to month. So I think there's going to be all this new high margin revenue that dealers and OEMs are going to be able to participate in. Wow. Wow. A lot of new stuff coming. Thank you for that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about ADAS systems. You know, um, five, six, seven, eight years ago, you know, people were unfamiliar with that term ADAS. And today, uh, ADAS is very definitely here. And uh, the amount of electric uh, components uh, in vehicles is, is increasing. And that's increased the implications for repair shops. How do you think that's going to play out for, um, for our industry? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's a great question. You, know, you think a few years back, consultants said that by 2025, half the cars on the road would be self-driving, and that just hasn't played out. I mean, it's a lot more complex. But you know, I think that what we are seeing is, you know, to your point, the bumpers in cars have a lot of electronics, right? So even minor fender benders now, you're getting thousands of dollars, and like the, the threshold for total total losses really has changed simply because the cars get damaged, and like you know, to replace a bumper is thousands and thousands of dollars as a result. I think the good thing is that you know there there will be no small fender benders. 
which is probably good for anyone who's running running a collision shop. But the other thing is like who who who's going to be able to repair these 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 things? Because once you get the the bumpers replaced and all those electronics replaced, it's going to be very very important that the the dealers um, calibrate those ADAS systems because there's human lives at stake, right? So I think if anything, it's going to drive consumers back to franchise dealers much more than independent repair shops as a result. And you know what, as a consumer, I really, I really dig that technology. You know, maybe a few <laughs> years ago, it was a little bit simpler, but now it's becoming more complex. But you know, like you mentioned, you know, the safety component uh, is, is so pertinent and so important. And, uh, you know, so that's another thing to watch and how that's going to play out. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, a good friend of uh, ours, uh, you and I, uh, is Jim Roche from uh, WarCloud. And uh, Jim uh, has been on this event a number of times. In fact, he did a, Steve, he did a keynote uh, session for us uh, last year. And we've talked about warranty and the importance of warranty going forward, especially with all these electronic components now that are built into the vehicle and, you know, how that's going to impact warranty in terms of growth, you know, for service and labor. Um, let's talk a little about the fection rate with warranty. Um, what impact do you expect this is going to have on consumers uh, and the likelihood uh, that they may defect to independent repair shops, you know, after the warranty period is over? Yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of articles on this yet, but I suspect this is going to be a great thing for franchise dealers, right? So whereas right now you would know better than me, but there's something like seven, depending on the OEM brand, 70% of consumers defect, you know, that immediately after the end of the warranty period and start going to independent repair shops. But but think of the complexity of these vehicles, right? We're going to need a, a specialized technician that's going to be able to demand a higher hourly rate and specialized tools. So there's a lot of press right now about right to repair and how, you know, all that has to play through the legislation. But even if, you know, right to repair comes out in every state, I mean, the truth is the complexity of the, the cars themselves, these over-the-air updates with data, and also the, the, the skills that technicians need and the, the, the tools they're going to need, these independent repair shops are not going to have the capability of repairing these vehicles. So I think this is going to be actually a really, really good thing for dealers that at the end of the warranty period, the consumers are going to still have to bring their cars back to franchise dealers for the repairs. So I, I, I suspect that that defect rate is actually going to shrink as the complexity of the cars increases. Wow. You, you, and you're, I think you're so right. And also that warranty period may be affected as well. I, I know Jim had a couple conversations with us about that, uh, especially with what's happening with some of the, um, uh, the electric vehicles that are out there in terms of their warranty period. So, you know, we want to keep an eye on that as well. Um, a good friend of the Fixed Ops Roundtable, uh, I don't know if you know Ed Roberts uh, down at Bozard Ford Lincoln in St. Augustine, Florida, but Ed, uh, again, one of our keynote speakers at this event, Ed's done great work uh, in terms of remote service uh, for on behalf of his dealership and on behalf of Ford Motor Company as well. I think Ed's kind of, Steve, the poster uh, child, okay, <laughs> for uh, remote service, uh, but we're starting to hear more about startups that are offering service that are coming to people's driveways. Uh, what are you seeing and how could that impact dealers as well? 
Yeah, well, I think dealers are feeling that now. And I think that, you know, expectations, especially with COVID, have been set on by Amazon and others. I know for me, I get four or five boxes delivered to my, my front front doorway every day. And we're all accustomed to like this convenience now economy. And I think that, you know, consumers are going to be looking for options to say, make it really convenient for me. I, I get groceries delivered to my front door. I hardly go to the grocery store anymore. And I think, you know, I, I'm not atypical now when you see the penetration of groceries. So I think that um, whether it's, the dealer offering to come pick up your car with a concierge service and or, you know, maybe bringing certain services to the driveway, we're seeing a lot of innovation there. And I think, you know, cutting edge dealers are saying, how am I going to make it really easy for the consumer to say yes? And they're, they're seeing in, in many cases, the actual RO is increased because when you provide this kind of level of transparency to the consumer, they're like, ah, while you got my car, Go ahead and do the extra work that I need to get done. So I think, you know, the, the, some dealers are seeing this as an additional cost and friction, but many dealers, I think, are seeing it as like, hey, if we test this out and we can provide a, a better consumer experience, we may very well have the consumer approve more work on the RO and end up getting a bigger ticket size from these consumers. And Brian Benstock has been here uh, for the past two years showing us that and, and showing us the proof in the pudding on that. So, um, you know, you're right, you're right spot on with that as well. And, and finally, Steve, what do you see ahead? You know, here we are in March. It's still early in uh, 2022. Uh, what practical steps do you see for retailers ahead? What do you think? Well, I think it's it's a double-edged sword, right? I think that, you know, it's it's hard now as a dealer who's heads down trying to operate their business to keep abreast of all these changes. And like I said, when we kicked off here, I mean, there's a, there's a lot more change. The intensity and pace of change is only going to continue. But, you know, one of my observations, you know, I've been in the industry now for 22 years, is like, and I hope that no one takes offense at this, but I kind of see like operating a dealership as squeezing a water-filled balloon. And what I mean by that, if you look at how dealers over the years have been creative with creating new revenue streams and profit centers, you've got new car operations, you've got used car operations, you've got F&I, you've got service, you've got parts, you've got accessories, you've got collision shops in the third of the, dealer, a third of the dealerships. And, you know, as, you know, headwinds have, have created problems over the last year, we've had new car inventory down, yet we're seeing dealers with record profitability. They've been able to shift more from like the front end profit to F&I. So I, I think that, you know, the dealers that stay on their game and are able to stay abreast of all this and not see these as threats, but opportunities will continue to innovate brand new ways of generating revenue. I mean, not the least of which is, you know, there's going to be charging infrastructure they're going to put out and maybe re make revenue off of that. There's going to be a, a whole new slew of F&I products that come out around EVs, I think. And as we said, I think that capitalizing on the fact that we're going to be able to upsell consumer services that they're going to pay in a monthly fee, I think, you know, whether it's F&I products after the consumers bought the car or unlocking new features on the car, I think that, you know, we're going to enter a whole new era. So you can't be scared of this change, but there's going to be all kinds of new opportunities, I think, for dealers to drive revenue and profitability. Steve, I think we're going to see, like you said earlier, a lot of change ahead. I know we are. Uh, I'd, I'd like to bring you back again because we've got another event coming up in May, and I want to check in with you if it's okay to find out uh, what's new and what's pertinent for our industry. So uh, I'd like to have you mark your calendar for that. And how does our audience get a hold of you if they want to reach Steve Greenfield? What's the best way? Yeah, so hopefully they can find me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can go to automotiveventures.com. I think my cell phone number is scrolling here as well if you want to reach out or text me. The other thing I'll offer up, um, Ted, is you know, I've got a book coming out here, here uh, very shortly um, called The Future of Automotive Retail. So if they go to futureofautomotiveretail.com, I'll send them a free book. All right. 
I love it. And I'd love for you to have come back and tell us more about the book. And let's let's talk about that when it's out. So uh, Steve Greenfield from Automotive Ventures. Thank you so much. Steve, here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Ted, thanks for having me. It's been great.